Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk HR. Today, we're going to take on the subject of ethics. Who needs ethics? Why are ethics important? Is it really as big a deal as everyone makes out? Well, to help me crack the subject, we've got Lee and Joanna joining us today to sort of talk about the subject. Lee, another day, another hotel. How are you doing, mate? Um, I'm in the beautiful city of Milton Keynes. Um, so I am very happy. Thank you. And Joanna, how are you doing today? Fine. Not in a hotel bedroom, just in the normal study bedroom. <laughs> With the usual internet issues as to where you are. Yeah. <laughs> but we're here. We got it sorted. We're fixed. We can hear each other. We can see each other. So we're going to jump straight into it. And I guess the first thing to say is that yes there's a, a dictionary definition of ethics and people would sort of look like that but what does ethics mean to you you know how would you define ethics to a person if you're trying to explain what an ethical position is i think very simple very simply it's how you treat people um you know do you treat people ethically um or not and i think any sort of ethical decision or ethical dilemma that you have usually is something to do with people or the decision in some way will Im impact people. So I think it's how you treat people, I think, is my, my most simple answer to that one, uh, whether you treat people well or you don't. Joanna, you're just nodding along there. I, th I think that's I probably think... How, you, how you'd agree with it. Is, is that, is that I, your I definition? Know. I'd probably throw in the word professionalism in the context of HR um, and it's that code of conduct for HR professionals that that really is what ethics means to me. Uh, it's fair to say that like, ethics is part of pretty much most professional qualifications. Most professionalisation has it, whether it be accountancy, whether it be HR, whether it be banking, believe it or not, um, whether it be a multitude of other fields. And one of the really hard things about ethics is, is to differentiate it from morality is, is your morals and what you believe, and ethics is professionalism and how you approach things. Is it just the same word, different guises, though, Lee? Um, yeah, I think it is, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I think there were very slightly different dictionary definitions, but by and large, what we're thinking about is how how is the business going to treat its people, um, whether its people are in an HR context, its workforce, whether it's its shareholders, its stakeholders, its customers. You mentioned banking there. I think another one is probably the food industry uh, to think about. There's so many different things that the you know the food industry can do to hook people onto its products, um, to market products in a certain way as healthy when in fact they're not. Um, you know, vitamin content, things like that. I know is quite a, um, a poignant one at the moment. So I think um, the way that yeah, I think it's about the way that you treat people, the the way the, way the information that you give to people um, as well, and how you try and persuade people. Oh, everything's got protein in it at the moment, hasn't it? Mm, yeah. Like, everything's so many grams of protein. Um, but I think, like, according to the definition, ethics clings more towards decisions based upon an individual character um, and is subjective and things like that, whereas morals is a widely shared communal or societal norm. Um, now, 
I don't think there is many societal norms anymore, is there, Joanna? Like, it, it probably does have to be done on a case-by-case and a personal basis. I, yeah, I think so. I, and I think I might describe it slightly differently. I think your morals are very personal. Um, they definitely relate to societal norms, but your experience of society will probably be related to your family views, perhaps um, the culture you grew up in, perhaps um, any religious beliefs. And I think that's where your personal morals come from. And I think ethics tends to be about the community, in this case, the work-based culture, really, and, and the values that people ascribe to things. So the two can be slightly different. Yeah. Well, I think it gets hard, especially when you start to think about it from a working perspective, because when you're when you feel like your ethics have been breached, it's about, well, how do you approach that situation? Because you're faced with a couple of decisions, some of which are moral decisions, which is can I morally walk away from this opportunity when I'm trying to support my family? Can I ethically stay working for this organization and do I do it for a duration before I leave? When you're faced, Lee, with a situation where you've got responsibilities and you've got ownership within a personal, but obviously something's breaching your ethical line in a, in a professional, is there a breaking point or is it where you've just got to walk away even if you, if you and put that morality side at risk? Or is it, uh, for most people, you need to find something else before you can leave and, and that's that's where family comes over business almost? I think there is a breaking point, um, but I think there's maybe two different points to to consider, actually. I think one probably is a breaking point, and that's very different for everyone. That could be down to how strongly they feel about their morals in the definition that Joanna gave about morals there, and I I would totally agree with that definition. Um, There probably is a breaking point, um, and that might be, like I say, how strongly they believe in those morals, but also their personal circumstances that you just mentioned. You know, if somebody's got a mortgage to pay, if they've got kids to feed and other different, you know, financial obligations, that could be a little bit different to someone who could maybe get by with, you know, whatever whatever comes along next. I think the other point to consider comes much before that, though, before a person thinks about leaving an organisation because it's not been ethical. And I think it's the point at which the trust has broken. And I think someone can work for an organisation for quite a long time, even though the trust has been broken, but be very disengaged in that organisation they're probably not going to contribute, um, you know, any more than what they need to um, and, and may start taking the liberties and risks that they wouldn't otherwise and sort of just use the organisation for what it is, a job, rather than putting their all into it. And do we want people to feel in that position? Um, probably not. I imagine in most businesses, most HR teams, most people managers don't don't want to be in that position where people are disengaged and don't really care. And I think the term that's been used to describe that recently is quiet quitting. You might have seen on different social medias the term quiet quitting, where people just quietly quit. You know, they go through the motions, they do the job, they turn up. And I think that's the point where the trust is broken. Um, so I think that that's another point to consider as well as that breaking point where someone just puts their hands up and says, I can't do it anymore. I'm out. I can't hear you, James. Ah, I don't know if we're on a stream to get. Sorry, I was on mute while so I was looking something up. <laughs> Um, when we were talk- when I was talking about quiet quitting and how it's, you know, it almost feels like it's language of 
we want you to do extra work. And if you're not doing extra work above and beyond, then you're quiet quitting. And that's not necessarily the case. But that is a really good example of organizations labeling someone because then the the business moral, the business beliefs, not ethics or morals, but the business beliefs breach your personal beliefs. Um, and, I, and I was just looking up like the 10 most common ethical words people use you know to describe their ethics so i thought that would that would be sort of an interesting and the ones that come up are respect honesty compassion hard work kindness gratitude sharing and cooperation and i don't think all of those i don't i'm looking at the list and i don't think necessarily all of those would have to be breached joanna for you to want to leave an opportunity um but i think if they got breached on a regular basis that's probably where it starts to push the line isn't it absolutely and i think lee's completely right that um if if i suppose if there are comparatively small breaches to ethics and and to your personal morality you you may stay for a while but feel very disengaged um feel that there's a lack of trust but then it's about where that breaking point is as well and I, I wanted to bring in the fact that that might push you into a whistleblowing situation where if you feel that it is beyond the ethics for the particular type of industry you work in you might want to be a whistleblower and then the, the, there's all sorts of challenges there how whistleblowers are treated what the process is, whether they're listened to. Um, and there are lots of examples of where it's really important to have that whistleblowing facility because of perhaps because of the type of work, perhaps because of, of um, if people turn a blind eye and tolerate things, there can be really severe consequences. So I think when we're thinking of ethics in HR, we're not as highly regulated a profession quite as some of the other professions are. So a lot of people will lose their license to practice if they breach the ethical code. I'm thinking of, of doctors and medicine, lawyers, accountants, you know, there have been some really high profile ethical dilemmas in those arenas and, and people may well lose their ability to continue. But for us as HR professionals, we could be working in those areas and actually be on the ethical side of, of what you do with a whistleblower in that area and how do you manage those situations. So I, I think there are kind of two lots of ethics for us that our own ethics as a professional, but also what is the context of the industry that we work in. And you raise a really good point around whistleblowing and, and there's so much negativity given to whistleblowers normally because the reason organizations breach an ethical line is because they want to make profit for shareholders. And if that happens, then that, that profit loss happens and the potentially, you know, there's fines and other regulatory things that can kick in. But it's important, isn't it, Lee? If you, if you, if you see something to say something. Sorry, Lee, I, I, I was coming to you. I think the last bit of the question goes out. Uh, it, it's important if you see something to say something, isn't it? It's important to yeah. 
use the the CIPD and the resources that are available to really sort of make make sure that your organisation is holding people to to the right ethical lines. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, an additional part to that is, do they know what the ethical lines are? Do they know what it means um, both internally and externally? Um, do they know what is an ethical uh, line of business? What I mean by that is internally, do they know how people should be treated? Do they know their conduct, code of conduct? Do they know enough about um, about the situation to um, to know where those ethical lines are drawn? And then externally, how is the business treating its customers or its clients? Um, so I think in, in either instance, you know, it's important that, as you say, if people do see something, they say something about it. But going back to the trust issue, if the trust is broken and if that person's morals have been broken and they go down that kind of quiet quitting route that I mentioned earlier, they're probably just going to let it slide. They might just let it happen and think, why am I bothered? Can I give you an example of that? Um, what I mean by that? I was in a hotel, no shock, um, recently, um, and it was awful. It really, really poor. It's one of the premium brands, actually, and it was really, really poor. Um, you know, wallpaper hanging off the walls, dirty, all kinds of different things going on. Um, so in the morning, I came downstairs and was asked how the stay was, and I said, you know, it really wasn't that great. And I'm in a position where I don't really want to pay for it, to be honest with you. And the receptionist, very, very kind lady, just said, yeah, that's not a problem. She was almost expecting that I was going to say that. She said, yeah, that's not a problem. I could see she grabbed a piece of paper, wrote down my room number and said, would you mind me asking? Tell me what the things wrong were. Yeah, no problem. She said, I can see you had drinks in the bar last night. Um, were they OK? I said, well, yeah, the wine was wine flavoured. What more can you ask? Um, and she said, yeah, you won't have to pay for that either. And I thought if she had been really engaged in her job, she would have maybe challenged me, maybe asked me to pay something. Um, I, I don't know, maybe referred it to a manager. She didn't want to. Why? She probably knows the state and the condition of that hotel. And therefore, those morals have been broken for her. And the ethical side, even though it's an internal HR kind of side of thing, you know, she may have been treated very well by the business, by a manager. But she knows that the business isn't operating ethically in that it's charging people a lot of money for a really substandard product. Um, and, and that applies to any kind of industry, really, doesn't it? And I think this kind of leads us on to personal ethics versus business ethics can sometimes be very different things. So what you personally hold as an ethical, you know, an integrity standard and things like that isn't necessarily what your organization holds to an ethical standard. And that might be OK. It might be, you know, advertising 20 grams of protein on a, on a massive cookie where you've got to eat four of them to hit it. You know, and but they only put the calories of half a cookie, but they put the protein of one full cookie fits within trading standards. It's ethically, it's morally correct by that. But ethically, you might think, well, we're misleading people in advertising. The the hard, it's hard though, isn't it, Joanna? When you start to breach your personal ethics for business ethics, it can be a slippery slope of really sort of losing a handle on what your ethical position is on things, can't it? It can, and I think I think it's a real dilemma when you feel at odds with the rest of the organisation. So if, if your personal standard is different, higher or lower, for example, than the organisation you're working with, that, that can set up a dissonance where you just don't feel part of the team, really. And I think you know, to some extent, 
I'm going to go back to my whistleblowing example. That can be um, what whistleblowing is about, that everybody has accepted something that may not be professionally acceptable ethics, but they've all just sort of lived with it for so long or turned a blind eye that nobody's really talking about it. It has become the accepted norm. And a whistleblower by default is the one person who's standing up and going, this isn't okay, this isn't normal. And that can be from a personal difference um, that they are raising in the hope that it will change the standards, or it can literally be that they're the only person upholding the standard that's written down because everybody else has accepted that you don't do the written standard so I, I and i think that must be such a hard decision to to take action i mean it's hard enough i think for any of us if we feel we've lost that trust if we don't feel comfortable anymore with where we are to take that action to to go and um, leave the organization and go somewhere else so to actually be prepared to stand up and say i'm not leaving i'm telling you that it's wrong must be an incredibly lonely place to be and really hard. Yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree. And you said, I, I, I was thinking about it, you know, most people have just packed their bags, leave, I'm going somewhere better. And they might leave, a, a you know, a negative glass door review on the company or something like that. But really their stance is, well, I just need to get out of here because I can't be associated with this company should it all come out. To make the decision that I'm going to benefit everyone by making a stand and doing something is it's a really bold move. And, you know, I'd ask anyone watching this to reflect on a time in their life where one of their friends is out of order and, and done something. And, and, and you want to have that one-on-one -on -one conversation with no booze, no Dutch courage, none of that. Just to have it out with them is often a really difficult conversation to have. Now imagine you're doing that on behalf of, thousand people two thousand people because your organizations are doing something unethically how exposed at risk hated no no human is built to want to feel that way so it can be really really difficult um and then i'm going to come to you just the way organizations tend to do this and i'm you know, I'm going to say most organizations are ethical and stuff like that, but organizations that are unethical that tend to do this tend to just chip away at your own personal ethics. It's not like a big step, is it? It's just little things here and there where you end up losing your value and your ethics by doing little things that you're asked not to do that you shouldn't be doing really. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I think there is a flip side to it, though, when you join a new business and you notice that they're not operating ethically. And I think there's a few red flags that you can you can spot um, as you're going through an application or an interview process that you think, oh, I'm not sure. Rather than you already work for the business and it starts to take a slippery slope, maybe the business is already in that position where they're not operating what we would deem as ethically. And then as you go through the recruitment process, you start to notice a few things Examples of that could be they're a little bit desperate to hire. Why are they desperate to hire? You know, why, why have so many people either walked out of the door or, uh, you know, they're struggling to keep anyone or they're struggling to hire anyone? Now, of course, the caveat, it could be a rapidly growing business, in which case that, you know, they are a bit desperate to hire. Um, 
Other examples might be the way that you're treated, not getting back to people. You know, there's so many different things. And I think my advice to anyone in that position is use your intuition. If it doesn't feel right, it probably isn't right. Um, and I agree with everything you said, by the way, James, about um, being the person to stand up. And Joanna, I think you said some more things about being that person to stand up and represent those people. I've been in a position before in a former business that I should have whistleblown. Um, I also knew the process. I knew it was handled externally, but I didn't because I knew because of the context of the situation, it would obviously be me that had whistleblown. Um, and I really, really underned. There's probably a more professional way of saying that, but I really um, thought about whether to do it or not because I thought, I, I truly believed what was happening was wrong, um, you know, with regards to where money was going and that kind of thing. I, I really wanted it to be investigated, but I, I'll be honest, I didn't have the confidence to do it. I really wish that I had now, because knowing what I know now and how that person has, you know, what's happened in the future, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, uh, hindsight rather, um, I really wish that I had done that. Um so my advice, I think, to anyone would be know your whistleblowing, whistleblowing process. It'll be on your company intranet, depending on you know your size of your company, that kind of thing. Have a look in the policy and read it. Um, if you're able to, if you're able to keep the anonymity, speak to HR, get an idea of the process or, or other people around you. But, you know, be careful to protect your anonymity when you do that. I mean, I'll give you an example of how... Um breaking your ethical line can happen just from from personal experience and this was this is way way back before i knew any of you joanna before you before you think do i know the story um i was working for a company and we were selling utilities and it was a big sales floor you know 100 odd people um and i had a team of about 50 odd but the rule was you recruit them on a monday if they make less than seven sales they get fired on a Friday. If anyone makes less than 10 sales, once they're established, they get fired on a Friday. Nobody made, I think I had five people made it above a year um, because it was just that thing. And what started to happen is people would start to go, okay, well, I'm on six sales, I need one more. And people would start to share their deals around to ensure that people hit their targets, which again, that feels fine doesn't feel too bad people would start to add on an extra meter within a, a company or an organization so that they hit the line so they kept their jobs and these were the start of unethical practices contracts would be signed you know they'd sign up contracts and i wouldn't show they've done the contracting correctly these were the breaches that started to happen because people were fighting for their jobs now i was in charge of that sales floor and i started to let it happen which is a breach of my ethical lines because I think you should do as you say, but it kept people in a job. And it kind of escalated from there until it got to the point where I just walked out. But it's how it can happen. You know, there's a very human element to how your ethical line can be broken. There's a very ethical line to how you start to feel like your ethics would be pushed and pushed and pushed until you do it. And it takes someone brave to just turn around and go, no, um, and fight the company. I, like you, Lee, I just walked out. I was like, this is wrong. I can't do it. I'm out. Um, but, and I'll, I'll come to you for, for this, Joanna. Do organisations need an ethics champion? That's a really interesting question. And I don't 
really think there's a yes no answer to that i think the answer may be yes for some particular professions and in some circumstances and no in others i think if you're if you're Working code of conduct is working and everybody's aligned. Um, you probably don't need an ethics champion because you've got it in the culture and you've got a culture that's working. I do think there might be some professions, perhaps medicine is a good example, or perhaps accountancy because they've had some really big um, ethical failures. Um, they need an ethics, an ethics person in in the larger organisations because of the seriousness of when things go wrong. But essentially, ethics is kind of about the culture as well. So, James and, and Lee, the circumstances you were describing, it felt like the culture was already going wrong, and that that there was an accepted norm there, whether it's pushed by senior management or, or certain individuals or whether it's across the board the culture wasn't quite right and that's where the ethics problem was so I think uh, and I think I'm rambling but I think that, right. that leads me on to the HR side of things where you might look to some of your practices in HR to to identify red flags as, as Lee was talking about before for what could be going wrong. So you might look at your employee survey, you might look at absenteeism rates or grievances. There's a whole host of data that you might want to use to understand if the organization, particularly a larger one where you're not everywhere all of the time, to, to look at whether the culture is going wrong slightly locally, regionally, or even nationally. What about in an ethics champion as in someone that people could confidentially go to in hr so you know most companies are made up of hundreds of people doing a hundred different things and stuff like that and most people don't understand you know whistleblowing don't understand process don't even understand if something's ethically ethically or morally wrong just sometimes it can just feel wrong can't it lee do you think organizations should have someone that they feel they can go to in confidence, either internally or externally to the organisation, could be worth it. Probably internally, knowing how businesses work, because they wouldn't want uh, secrets going out externally. But what do you think about that approach? Um, I think I'm going to speak to all the HR professionals out there in a way, and in a slightly different topic, job titles are incredibly important. You have to get a job title right. If I heard that the business had an ethics champion, that would be one of those red flags for me that I've mentioned in the recruitment process. I'd think, hold up, ethics champion? This is someone that does their normal day job and then as an addition has a bit of a, you know, they're the person that someone goes to and it's not really taken that seriously. It's not taken that seriously because we didn't think to employ someone, you know, for that role. If I heard the term ethics manager, um, or ethics director even, or something like that. That's where I'd be thinking, this business takes itself really seriously. They've got a lot of rigor there. They've got process there. I might still be thinking, hmm, why have they had to put that role in place? So they've got a history of not acting ethically. Um, but I think uh, maybe, hopefully that adds value to those, you know, studying their, for, studying their HR qualification, that job titles are so important. To answer your question though, James, do 
does the business need it? I totally agree with Joanna. So, so subjective. Um, culture, to, to add to, to what um, Joanna said about the different industries, and I think that's an incredibly valid point, the only other addition really I'd say is culture. Um, have Has the business got a history of um, different uh, processes or, you know, things where ethics comes into it? Has it spiralled out of control before? Is it in a, um, an industry where there is scope for ethics to go out of the window? Um, for example, automotive. I work in automotive at the moment, and I think anyone who's ever bought a car is worried about the fact that it has to be, you know, is the salesperson or the service technicians, are they acting ethically? There's a hell of a lot of um, examples out there where that's not been the case. Um, so it, it depends on the culture. It depends on on is the business generally acting ethically? But I think the sad thing there is if the business is acting ethically, it probably doesn't need it. If the business isn't acting acting ethically, the people at the top probably know that and therefore probably wouldn't uh, decide that they need an ethics champion. Yeah, Yeah. it's so difficult, isn't it? And and I I agree with you on job titles. Ethics champion sounds terrible. Um, I think anything that ends in champion normally sounds, (laughs) you're a bit... Really? Could you imagine if you were the training champion, Lee? I don't I've think been you'd the training champion before. <laughs> but, but to to finish off, let, let's test some of your ethics. Let's let's see where your ethical lines are. Let's see if you would both do the same things in same situations. Which thankfully we've got you two on, so I can guarantee you're both not going to agree on all of these, um, because. Well, yeah, I know Joanna oh, yeah. and I know Lee, so I'm confident on this. So, but which right. one does he think is unethical? That's where I want to know. Well, I know, I know. <laughs> we haven't got his answers coming in here. Oh, I, I'll give you my answer. <laughs> I'll happily give my answers to these as well. But I'll let you two answer first. Number one, your lunch keeps missing at work. You're pretty sure you know who's taking it each day. Do you confront them, report it to your supervisor, report it to HR? Get them back by making a cat food sandwich or keep quiet. Lee, which one would you do? Um, question, why is murder not on the options list? <laughs> kind of keeps you unemployed, murder, I believe. <laughs> it's only a small minute people that have got that job in the world. Um, I left the pause there so you can edit that out if you need to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not. Um, again, this is a good indication of uh, whether the business is ethical because you'd hope you've got the culture there to be able to challenge someone. So, excuse me, why is my lunch going missing? Um, or, or happily report it to a manager. Um, so that that's what I'd like to do. Um, however, if, if the business isn't particularly ethical and it's not a great place to work, then I imagine I'd probably slink away and do nothing and leave at my earliest opportunity. Joanna, which would you do? Someone's nicking your lunch. You think you know who it is? I I think I would probably go the uh, passive-aggressive non-conflict route. So probably put a note on the food or (laughs) try and catch them out. Or um, Actually, if it was right now, with the cost of food, I'd probably just keep quiet because I just assumed that was somebody who needed it more than I did. But in normal circumstances, I would probably pry with a note first on the food. I mean, that's what a lot of people do, isn't it? The fridge. Oh, yeah, the passive-aggressive note is... uh, Somebody's uh, name on it. This is mine. 
a staple, as well as the uh, passive-aggressive email about people not cleaning out the microwave. Yeah. Or, or I might choose to use a team meeting to talk uh, about how disappointing it is <laughs> that things are being taken and how disappointed I am. Uh, you see, the disapproving parent wasn't on the list, but <laughs> that definitely sounds right. I would 100% go with the cat food sandwich. 100%. Because it, the person that I'm thinking of in my head that would steal food deserves a cat food sandwich. <laughs> um, okay, number two. You buy, a, you buy a pile of clothes on sale at your favourite store. When you get home, you realise one of them's not on the receipt. Do you go back to the store and pay for it? Or do you just let it go knowing that in the fullness of time it'll all even out? Joanna? <laughs> Might plead the fifth here. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think if... Where there's the difference is there's many a time I've been at a shop or a supermarket where I've just said, oh, you've not charged me. And you say it straight away. I think when you've got back home and realised that, you end up with a bit of an inertia situation that it can be harder to go back and say that than it is to, to be quiet. So I want to say that I would go back and say that, but if I bought it in a different city and I got home and realised, I probably wouldn't go back to the other city. This is the longest-winded way of saying I, I, I'd keep it. <laughs> <laughs> Lee? Um, yeah, what, what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what comes into it for me? Is it a small business or a big business? If it's a big business and they ain't going to miss that £5 T-shirt or whatever, if that, that whatever it is that I've bought, um, then I'm probably not going to deal with it. If it's a small business and actually that's going to make a difference to them, I'd probably go back, give them a call, email them. You know, it's usually easy to contact them these days and try and do something about it. But I, I promise you there is a small business in Birmingham that I bought my lunch from a few weeks ago and I picked up some crisps and accidentally liberated them without paying. And when I went back about a week later, something like that, because I was there again, I said, can you charge me for a packet of crisps, please? I don't want them. I've already eaten them a week ago. Charge me for the crisps. I promise you. <laughs> I, think, I think there's something about the level of customer service you get as well. If you've had an awful, awful experience, you're probably feeling pretty resistant to the idea of, of giving True. back anyway. Yeah. Okay. Number three. Three. You're failing a class and you're about to take a test. You hate the class. It's an online exam. It's health and safety, which Joanna loves, by the way. If you fail the class, then you failed. But you can look up the, the answers on another screen because no one's watching so that you've passed the class and you can move on. What do you do? I can tell you from the office I was in, most people looked up the answers. Um. Well, I'll go first with this one. I did that once, I'm not going to lie, and I nearly got sacked for it, so I will never do that again. I'm, <laughs> consequences of my unethical actions, I will just fail the test. <laughs> I don't Are you one of those that always gets catch, 
caught out when you when you try when when the line's about there, you just get caught every time. Yeah, if I'm doing 31, 30 and a half mile an hour, I will be prosecuted for speeding. And I think I wouldn't do it because I'd be so scared and sure that I would be caught out. A friend gives you a gift for your birthday. Unfortunately, it's a type of perfume that you're extremely allergic to. Do you say something, ask for the receipt, return it, or just keep quiet? Keep quiet. I'm going to throw in another option, re-gift. Yeah, exactly. Re-gifting re was mentioned on my wedding speech. That's how much I re-gift. <laughs> Re-gifting is a good option for not upsetting someone and sharing the joy. Yeah, what's worse, though, is you know when you get something hideous and they've had your name put on it, so you can't get rid of it, and you don't know what to do with it, so you end up just keeping it, never getting ready to throw it out. Is that I, what I have a cheese ball that is terrible. That sounds so middle class, doesn't it? I have a cheese board with my name on it, but it's horrendous. It's like this tiny little thing. You can just fit like a baby bell on it, and it's like, what's the point? Anyway, the last one. Use it as a beer coaster. It's a bit thick. It's got tools underneath it that are blunt. You know, like to cut it. Oh, honestly. They're never going to watch it, so it's fine. But re-gifting is a great option. Um, and yes, keep quiet. It's normally what I do. So speaking Final. of ethics, if anyone's looking to bribe James for anything, a new cheese board, a large <laughs> cheese board is, is the way to go. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I have a great straight cheese board. It's brilliant. Anyway. <laughs> the unfaithful colleague situation. So you go out. With your husband. Oh, this works for both of you. Um, <laughs> for dinner, you've not frequented it before. It's new. And it's in a part of town you rarely visit. You're shocked to see one of your colleague's wives that you met at a Christmas do out with someone quite young. The way they're behaving, it's obviously more than friends. They finish the meal. They leave without seeing you behaving very affectionately to each other do you tell your colleague what you've seen probably know it would create friction and create tension within the workplace uh, because you're probably not going to believe you say nothing as it's their couple their life their rules they may or may not have an open relationship you don't know or something else Again, there's not an option missing from the list here. This is a really good opportunity for blackmail. <laughs> that is something else. <laughs> no, I, do you know what? I'm joking, but this, this stuff exists. People do this. People do this. It's not just on Coronation Street. Um, well, my answer is it is none of my business. It, I think what's different is if it's a friend, that, that is very different. And you may be friends with your colleagues and then the friendship is takes precedence for me personally. That's my moral situation on it. But for a colleague, it is none of my business whatsoever. Um, and I don't want to be getting involved in things that I shouldn't be. That can cause an issue in the workplace. I am with you on that one, Lee. And if it was a really 
close friend, I might actually go to the person who I saw out on the town to encourage them to um, do the honourable thing. Yeah, it's it, it, there's a line in there of like passing ship in the night, colleague, and then it starts to move towards friendships and close friends and things like that. The more that you work with someone, so I can't, yeah, I, I'm probably still sit on the none of my business trait, even if I'm friends with them at work and stuff like that. You just don't know in these day and age, do you? And you don't want to necessarily rock the boat. Um, Especially if they're bringing in money, you just, I mean, you just don't know from a sales perspective. <laughs> ethics, James. Ethics. I know. I know. <laughs> that's why we've got these dilemmas. Now, if you are watching this, please put your answers in the chat. Please tell us what you would have done. Tell us if we've done something different. Tell us if you would take the blackmail route that uh, Lee mentioned or the murder route on the sandwiches. There are some extremes there, but. What we've tried to cover in this session is ethics is paramount importance within yourself first and foremost. What are your lines? What do you believe in? What do you hold most important? And then you need to find an organisation. You need to be comfortable in an organisation that matches your ethical lines and boundaries and stuff like that because you don't want to lose your sense of self by having breaches. If you are confident, strong enough, if, you, if you're working for an organisation that is being unethical to the legal standard whistleblowing is an option there is support from CIPD there is support from people around you there is support from the entire community things like that so please don't feel like if you do think this is the right and only option that you're alone because it can be very lonely doing something like that and as myself and as Lee has mentioned it, it, it lives in your head a little rent free as a regret if you don't do it um, this has been Let's Talk HR. This has been Ethics. Why we have ethics. Thank you for everyone that's watching, and we will catch you on the next one.